You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. episode is sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your practice. One of Jane's most popular features is the online intake forms. They're designed to be convenient, allowing patients or clients to complete forms on their schedule rather than during your treatment time. Jane's online intake forms help you collect all the information you need before your appointment begins. You can choose to send your intake forms manually or enable them to send automatically at the time of booking for a more hands-off approach. There's even a friendly reminder sent 24 hours before a patient's appointment if they forget to complete it. And when the treatment is done, you won't have to worry about chasing payments. Jane's PCI compliant payment solution, Jane Payments, allows you to securely collect credit card details through your intake form. To see how the online intake forms can help you spend more time helping your patients, head to jane.app forward slash guide to book a personalized demo. Don't forget, you can use the code NURSECEO at the time of sign up for a one month grace period applied to your new account. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nurse Pairs podcast. Today we have Stacy Stickingo on with us. Did I say it right? Yes, you <laughs> yes. did. You got it. <laughs> I was afraid it's going to trip up on that. Okay, uh, from um, Invest for Freedom. And I'm really excited to have you here. So thanks for being here with us, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, all right, so give us a little background about you as a nurse. Uh, where did you get started? How did you get started? And um, what what was your career like? Yeah, so I actually, um, nursing is my second career. So I joined the military straight out of high school um, and was active duty for eight years and just kind of uh, felt a lack of meaning. Um, I've always been attracted to healthcare. So I started researching, I did some shadowing for an OT and just really wanted more hands-on, um, a little bit more critical um, challenges. So that's how I found nursing. I went to school at South Alabama um, and then became um, ER first, trauma, and then flight, basically, and then all of the critical care progression after that. Um, I'm the jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I've worked in almost every area of critical care, um, which has been super fascinating. I've loved learning so much, but um, I do attribute a lot of that change to the burnout that I was experiencing quite early in my career. Um and so, yeah, I was like, then I moved to Denver and started finding real estate, but we'll go into that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, those are some pretty heavy, like, areas to go into, like ED, trauma, flight, the flight nursing. Uh, what was that like? So the flight nursing was actually through the military. So all fixed wing didn't get to do anything super cool like rotor, but um, yeah, it was very rewarding. Um, I did fly during non-war years. So 2014 to 2018. Um, and I only say that because unfortunately in that line of work, it is just far more exciting typically when we are at war. Um, but I did still get to fly some like heat exhaustion, um, and electrocution, some things like that, that were still really critical and interesting, but, um, overall, all the excitement typically comes from war years. 
Oh, yeah, that sounds like a very military thing to say. Yes. <laughs> Way more yes. exciting when there's a good war going on. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, so you moved to Denver. Why did you move to Denver? So because of the military, I lived overseas for four years. And then with the flight nursing, I also did travel nursing. Um, I had just kind of moved around so much from the time that I left home at 17. So I was just kind of craving more roots and being closer to family. Um, so that's why I ultimately decided to move here. But I was quite devastated to to find out how horribly healthcare professionals are paid in Denver. <laughs> really? Wow. Um before we get to that, like, uh, where did you live overseas? Um, so Turkey, I deployed to Kuwait. I lived in Italy, Korea, um, and then just a lot of travel throughout Middle Eastern countries. Um, so Qatar, uh, United Arab Emirates, stuff like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very amazing. A lot of learning. Yeah, I'll bet. Do you speak other languages? Um, you know, I tried to be conversational and polite and learn every single one when I was in the country. But unfortunately, as I progressed from such different languages, I would forget the one that I had previously <laughs> learned. Arabic, um, Turkish, yes, Korean, exactly. Italian. Yes, yes, <laughs> all over the place. So unfortunately, nothing to claim uh, being fluent in any of them, but um, still a good challenge to learn and really embrace the culture. So did you try to get a job in Denver as like in critical care? Yeah, so I um fell in love with pediatric trauma and oh. that's where I I and I yeah, a lot of people say that, but honestly, I felt the most fulfilled there. Um the camaraderie in the ER in a trauma case with a peds is just something I'd never experienced and I I really cherished that. I felt like it was like all the beautiful components of healthcare coming together to flourish to save a life. Um so I wanted to stay in that, but unfortunately, when I was moving to Denver, out of all of the areas, children's was the lowest paid. Um, and so that was one of the things that ultimately led me down um, a really bad chapter of um, really poor mental health because I went into a critical care float pool um, for that massive conglomerate corporation that we all know and hate. <laughs> um so it was that that just like really did me in and I was like, okay, enough is enough. I have to find another way. So what did you do? Um, so I actually initially found a book by Scott Trench. It's called Set for Life. And a lot of it is just talking about how we basically live outside of our means as Americans and how we are strapping ourselves and committing to these lifestyles um, that subsequently make us work more to afford the lifestyle. Um, and so it's just kind of like flipping the entire thought process about what the American dream is and just giving you permission to live with roommates and, and embrace frugality and just like all of these like financially intelligent things that we don't necessarily learn to set you up to get freedom in whatever way that looks like for you. Yeah, I would definitely um, say that, especially as a nurse, um, I only I had my full time job and then I had like four part-time jobs and you know I was working every single day and at first it's like great you're like oh look I have all this extra money but then you spend it and now it's not like extra money it's like you have to continue that to work to keep it yeah Yeah. to keep that yeah to keep that lifestyle yep so um all right so you read the book and I you're inspired by it what do you do next um so I actually first started by cutting my most um, 
expensive expenses. So my rent was the thing that hurt me the most in Denver, um, which is just continues to be so sad. I, I really want to commend to the nurses that are mothers or fathers. Um, I don't understand how people afford to support a family on what we make here, but my rent um, is what was killing. And I mean, like I literally had, I think it was $30 of disposable income after my expenses. So like truly living paycheck to paycheck with no room for any enjoyment. So moving out of my apartment and then moving into a house where I actually had four other roommates was that first big step. And I just started saving, paying down debt, and then getting that nest egg. Yeah, it's a good move. I mean, actually, so I bought my house like 10 years ago, and there's no way I could afford my house nowadays. I don't know how anybody's doing it. Exactly. Yes. Um, all right. So and how did you feel about moving in with roommates? So honestly, um, I was extremely scared. I So I was in the Air Force for the military, and we are spoiled with really nice um, dormitories and quarters and things where I didn't have roommates in my adult life. And so here I am, 33, an established adult. I had been critical care for almost 10 years, and I'm like, I have to have roommates? Like, what is this? I, this can't be real. Um, I also worked in the cath lab when I moved into the house. So I had a pager, we get called in a ton and I was like, this is going to be a disaster. And it was the biggest blessing in disguise. All of the roommates were phenomenal. I ended up being the one disrupting the house in the middle of the night because of my pager. They were so understanding. And so it was truly a really big blessing in disguise. Awesome. Okay. And then so you paid off debt and what was kind of the goal? Yeah. So the big goal initially was just to save that um, 25K. Um, Scott Trench refers to that as your runway. Um, and so he specifically refers to it as an opportunity to buy a business or invest, whatever you choose. And then whether you're buying the business or investing, that's the way that you're contributing, paying your dues, if you will, towards the freedom that will ultimately come from that. And what did you choose to do? I chose to buy real estate. And did you know anything about real estate at the time? Nope. Um, so I read his book in uh, November of 2018. And um, during that time that I was paying off debt and saving and doing all of that, I was simultaneously reading books and listening to free podcasts. So all of the knowledge I gained was all on my own, self-taught. Um, I was crippled with fear because, again, being a nurse working at bedside and we worked so hard for our money, I was just crippled with fear that I was going to choose wrong, make a bad decision, lose everything. Uh, but luckily, uh, two years almost to the day, um, I bought my first duplex in Tampa. Oh, and not even in Denver. How did you Correct. choose Tampa? Um, so that was actually where I started my nursing career. Um, that was my very first job was working in an ER in Tampa. And I chose that because our income, again, is so low in Denver that I would have maxed out my DTI, uh, your debt to income ratio, um, on a single nurse income. I would have maxed it out. E even trying to buy one property is um, is a stretch for a nurse here because the houses are, at that time, I think they were like four hundred to 500000 Okay. And in Tampa, they're much less expensive? Yes. Yeah, so I was effectively able to buy four duplexes almost for the price of what I would have bought one house here for. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So okay. just, yeah, oh, way more opportunity. And then because that purchase price is lower, 
um, just with the way the numbers work in real estate, it significantly increased my potential to earn passive income, um, which is always a huge thing that I'm mindful of. Um, trying to find ways to make income passively because we trade so much of our time working overtime and shifts at the hospital. What is uh, earning passive income with real estate? Is that something you have to wait 30 years for or how does it work? No. So the intention is always to have a cash flow at day one. Um, depending on your market, that varies. Some people buy for appreciation, which is a totally different strategy and dynamic. Um, but you basically analyze the property and run all of the numbers and then just look at what could be possible to be left over. Um, looking at any possible surprise expenses, like uh, I had an, a pump for a well, for instance, and I had to pay the electric to that. And I wasn't expecting that. On that property, my cash flow was going to be $150 a door. So luckily, because I had that extra, taking that $30 off still left a positive return for me. Um, so just always wanting that. But then the beauty is with your mortgage rate being locked, your mortgage is always at that fixed amount and typically rent appreciates. Um, so specifically in Tampa, because of COVID and the amount of people that fled there, the rent doubled in the state. So all of that rental increase comes into my pocket now because that was all extra anyways. Okay. Um, and what is, what is the market like now? Because pre-COVID there were great interest rates and now mm -hmm. the interest rates kind of suck. So does it still work? Um, so it, it could, I switched into a different market because of other reasons. There is an insurance crisis that's going on in Florida that has caused a lot of additional, um, risk and increase in expense. Um, a few other things, the demand is through the roof, especially in Tampa. Um, so I personally have pivoted to other markets. There are always ways to make it work as long as you're good at running your numbers. Sometimes it takes a while. Uh, but I always encourage people to be patient because this is not meant to be a get rich quick scheme. Um, so what, what kind of numbers do you look at? Like what are the most important things you're looking for? So your big expenses. So like looking at what your taxes are going to increase to, um, a lot of people forget to analyze what the price is going or the tax is going to increase to because of the new purchase price. Um, so as property value goes up, your property taxes increase. Um, so that's typically a big one that catches people off guard. But then again, just trying to find as much as possible about those hidden expenses, like any utilities the landlord could be paying. Um, your insurance is a factor, but that's pretty outside of your control. Um, so just making sure you're aware of everything that's going to cost you money with the property to account for it. Um, so that you, a lot of people call it like fake cash flow or ghost cash flow. Uh, because people that don't account for that say that they're cash flowing, but then once they're paying all those additional expenses, it's really not. Um, so just trying to find out all of those hidden hidden expenses is the biggest key. Now, do you hire property managers or do you deal with the tenants directly? So I did. I um, And I always encourage people, especially healthcare professionals, to underwrite and analyze your properties with a property manager because it's truly not passive unless you have that accounted for. 
Um, property managers have actually been a huge pain point for me in my investing career. Um, so I've since turned to a, um, web-based model. It's a, um, like outsourced, like a call center. Um, and that's been very effective for me finding that in between. So I still have somebody to answer the calls in the middle of the night. Um, but then I can still get the fulfillment of talking with my tenants. Um, and how many properties do you own at this point? So I have those four duplexes, and then now I'm specifically interested in targeting um, real estate that can have a business as well. So like a laundromat or a car wash. Um, yeah. So I want to incorporate those business operations into the benefit of having a real estate asset. You essentially kind of become your own landlord and you pay yourself rent. Um, and it's this like whole business um, trifecta, if you will, and you get to keep some of those tax benefits for yourself. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so, okay. So uh, you started this Instagram account. Why did you start the Instagram account? Yeah. So the biggest reason I actually did that, um, two, two big reasons. Um, a, I wanted to show everybody else that if I can do this, you can too. Um, I am a very unlikely cause to be an entrepreneur, or financially free. I came from a small farm town in Michigan. Um, I was in the military, a nurse, you know, just very, um, giving not very lucrative industries. And so I thought investing or entrepreneurship was for rich people or all of these things. Um, so yeah, just really sharing that this is possible for anybody and helping them shift that mindset. Um, but then advocating for healthcare reform is another big thing. I just really hope that no healthcare professional has to go through what I did with my mental health decline. Um, so just showing them that it's possible for you to invest and diversify your income so that we can work in places in healthcare that make us happy until we can cause the big change that I hope. Okay. And so, I mean, how do you work with people now? Like, is this, are you offering like services to people or what do you, or do you just share your experience? Yep. So I just share everything I've learned, all of my hard earned, uh, hard learned lessons uh, through my Instagram. So yeah, I don't do any paid coaching or anything like that. Um, just really hoping to inspire people and build a community so that when the time comes, um, I hope that we can collectively go forth and have a large impact on healthcare. But um, again, just sharing that knowledge, trying to help people from burning out and having that um, mental health issues. Wow. I love that. So do you get a lot of interaction on Instagram? Yeah, I actually do. I have a lot of people that ask like how they can get started and um, things of that nature. So it's been super cool to try to um, encourage people to find what's right for them. Were you surprised by that? Yes, honestly, I was crippled with fear to start my Instagram too, because I thought for sure, I feel like nursing can be such a beautiful thing, but sometimes we can be our own worst critics um, and we can be pretty tough on each other sometimes. And so I was like deathly afraid of all the people that were going to come for me or say negative things. And it has been so beautiful. I've met so many nurses that are so kind and supportive and encouraging. It's, it's truly been such a blessing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. It's really nicely branded too. I like it. Did you do Thank your own you. branding? I did. Yes. And then I do have a virtual assistant that helps me make it really pretty because that takes me way too much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It makes it not passive income when you're Ex exactly. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a time suck. Um, 
Okay, so uh, let, let's say I'm a nurse um, and I come across your Instagram and I'm interested, like what are the first couple of things that you tell people to, to do? Yeah, so the first thing I encourage people is to find a strategy in real estate because real estate is so similar to healthcare in the sense that there's a million different ways for you to be successful. So just like you can work in a million different departments, um, it's exactly the same. And there's no wrong answer because they're all going to lead to success. Um, so I ask people to analyze what your lifestyle can handle right now as far as time demand, um, stress, things of that nature, and then also what you want your life to look like. Um, so on the spectrum, like an Airbnb, for instance, is going to be very time consuming. You have a lot of customer interaction. It is very much customer service based. So a lot of people pleasing and accommodating things of that nature. After working in the ER for as long as I did, that is the last thing I want to do. If one more person asked me for a warm blanket or a turkey sandwich, I could scream. Um, so I've just very clearly knew Airbnb was not going to help my burnout. Um, so the opposite end is just buying long-term rentals for yourself or even passively investing through something called a syndication or something like that, which is typically really great for people, um, NPs, providers, anybody that has like a really demanding schedule that can't pay attention to it. You can kind of set it and forget it and leverage the experience of the operator. Yeah, that, that's actually what I have. I'm, I'm part of a syndication and they're building, I don't know, slightly like a multi-apartment building in Chattanooga or something. I don't know where, yes. I don't even know where yes. it is. <laughs> yes. And so once you start getting those tax benefits and the income from that, the, yes, they can be amazing opportunities. How do you find like a good syndication? Yeah. So that's, a, that's a whole can of worms. Um, oh. <laughs> some, the biggest thing that I would, I would, I think my biggest point would be finding somebody that's been through two different things, a full cycle, meaning they bought a large apartment or whatever type of syndication it is. Sometimes they're RV parks, mobile home parks, whatever. Um, so make sure you're going with somebody that's bought one and then held it for three to five years, performed, did what they said they were going to do, and then also sold it. Um, because there are different challenges in all different parts of the investment cycle. So I think that's super important. And then bigger picture, finding somebody that's made it through market turns. So we're going through a market turn in real estate right now. And people that didn't plan for it because they didn't have the foresight to account for the pain points of what we're going through are really struggling. And so um, that's only wisdom that you typically gain from time. So having a syndicator that's been through a full market cycle and a full investment cycle are probably going to be the two most important things to get you a great syndicator. And what do, what do market, market cycles look like? Do they have some sort of time period to them or do they just happen at random? Or Yes. And I forget the timeline. I think it's a 10 year cycle, I want to say. But so 2008 is an example of one. Um, but basically it's like real estate prices are really high. They go really low for various reasons. Um, and then they go back up. And so there's just like timeliness of different parts of the, of the cycle. Um, so yeah, our, obviously right now our prices are extremely inflated and that is going to change because of the interest rates will drive down prices. Um, so we're kind of at a unique point in the cycle right now. Right. Okay. But there's, there's some expectation that it's going to go through the patterns that it's gone through in previous 
the last hundred years. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's very cyclical. Um, so just making sure somebody is aware of that and how it's going to affect their investment, uh, because it will subsequently affect what you put into the investment. So, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so what is your kind of like big goal with, with property? Are you going to buy as many as you feasibly possibly can or? <laughs> so I, I am currently just trying to finish replacing my nursing income. Um, so I hope to buy either an apartment or potentially, like I said, that laundromat type um, where there's a business to operate within the real estate. Um, so that's my most immediate goal. And then after that, I'm not quite sure. I'm dancing in a few different roles in the real estate community because I'm trying to find what will bring me the most joy. Um, I am super interested in business and the the operations and just managing components. So I think I'll be more drawn to that than just sticking with real estate, but we'll see. I'm, uh, I'm doing a lot of different things right now to try to find my way and what brings me the most joy. So I love it. Yes. All right. Well, if people want to find out more or follow your Instagram, where do they go? Invest for freedom underscore RN. Please say hi and feel free to ask me anything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stacy, for sharing this with us today. Thank you. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.